Okay, a couple of hypothetical scenarios. You're on your way home and you encounter this guy on the side of the road. What do you do? You help him out. You call paramedics. You do something right away to help, right? Everybody, anybody would do that. How about you see a terrible car accident on the way home from work? Uh, what do you do? You just keep driving? I mean, if you've got a cell phone, you make a call. You're going to do something. Everybody, anybody would do something. What are you not going to do? You're not going to worry about that guy before what he did in the first grade or who manufactured that car. You're not going to go to the root causes, right? What are we doing with our immigration crisis right now? Kamala Harris has now released her report on what she wants to do about the root causes of the immigration crisis. They are coming in like crazy. A lot of them have COVID. We have no border. Are they thinking about flooding the, the area with new Border Patrol agents or finishing that wall? Nothing like that. The root causes report is out, and it's as vague and weird and distant and irrelevant as you might think. Part one involves addressing economic insecurity and inequality in Central America. Part three focuses on promoting respect for human rights, labor rights, and free press. That's great. It's not going to help this situation. And right now, illegal immigrants are being put on buses and being sent to St. Louis and Seattle and all over the country with a note, please appear in court at some later date. This is a ludicrous situation. They're focusing on, focusing on root causes. They don't want to fix this problem. It's so obvious. But the root causes thing, there's something very Democrat about that. There's something very Joe Biden about that. He knows this is not what America wants. America wants strong borders. Everybody does. This is not unifying. And remember, he promised us he would unify America. You remember. I pledge to be a president who seeks not to divide, but unify. My whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. Together, we shall write an American story of hope not fear, of unity, not division, of light, not darkness. We can join forces, stop the shouting, and lower the temperature. For without unity, there is no peace. All right, it sounds great, but obviously he was lying, <laughs> obviously. And he is, there is a long and well-established record of Joe Biden not telling the truth. Uh, but I never realized how conscious he was of not telling the truth. I mean, sometimes I thought he was just exaggerating or trying to connect. But when he says things like this, he was actively deceiving us when he said things like that. Watch. If I get elected president of the United States with my position on health care, my position on uh, global warming, my position on foreign policy, my position on the middle class, this will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. One of the rare times I think he was being straight and his handlers didn't want him being straight with the American people. Joe Biden was supposed to be middle class, centrist Joe. That's what was advertised, right? That's what made him palatable. Uh, but this left-leaning stuff, this most liberal ever, 
They wanted that under wraps. And that's why they kept him under the wraps during the campaign. You remember those silly circles? Remember how secluded he was when he was running for the most important office in the world, right? Running for president. And he was coddled. He was protected because they didn't want him talking too much, all right? When he talks, he gets into trouble. It was amazing, though, that he could run for president from his basement. COVID truly was the greatest gift ever for a presidential candidate. Joe Biden exploited it to the hilt. Um, and now that he's not as coddled, now that he's in the hot seat, flashes of Joe, he's just not ready. He's been protected for so long that uh, things get under his skin rather easily. And you want to check my shape on, let's do push-ups together here, man. Let's do, let's run. Let's do whatever you want to do. If you don't understand that, you're in your own business. You are such a pain in the neck. All that stuff. And I know some was during the campaign, but uh, remember, he was supposed to restore civility. This was supposed to be the nice guy. Everything is backwards. I mean, look at these images, right? You tell me which is horrible and which is beautiful. Apparently on the left, since it was uh, violence associated with Black Lives Matter, that was uh, just great. January 6th, the worst thing that happened to this country since the War of 1812. You see the inconsistency here. And this week we saw damn near lunacy at that hearing on Capitol Hill to discuss January 6th and to never bring up Ashley Babbitt, to discuss January 6th and let these officers who serve members of Congress, some of them, speak the way they did with such contempt about politicians I, I don't see how they can ever go back to the line of duty. The indifference shown to my colleagues is disgraceful. It's pathetic. And they shouldn't be elected official anymore. Why is telling the truth hard? I guess in this America, it is. That's all very, very political, but very, very much um, in line with the culture. I mean, shoot your mouth off, get some attention, and uh, you're sitting pretty, right? How about Andrew Cuomo? Literally sitting pretty. Look at his face. That man has been working on his tan. He is the governor of New York State, and he's counting on all of us forgetting about his uh, issues, his many issues with the nursing home, uh, with women in the office. And guess what? His strategy seems to be working because people are moving on. People can't remember. Meanwhile, he's got a tan, he's smiling, and he's still got that $5 million from that ridiculous book deal that he made in the middle of COVID. While America was shutting down, he was filling his bank account. It is totally ludicrous. Meanwhile, we have uh, our athletes failing us overseas. Maybe that's a little bit harsh, but... You know, it's one thing to quit. It's one thing to have a sore knee. It's one thing to get down in the dumps. That happens to people, and that's happened to athletes before. But it's been celebrated. It's been celebrated. Simone Biles not having the mental toughness to compete is being celebrated by the left. What she did was revolutionary. What this teaches our children, a long tradition of stoicism. It goes on and on, the radical courage of Simone Biles. Well, Simone Biles is a quitter, okay? <laughs> Sorry, but it's true. People quit. It happens. It's not to be celebrated because if we celebrate stuff like this, we do cease to be a country. Sooner or later, we do. What makes us a country? A shared heritage, shared values, 
And even though it all seems so distant right now, one of those that shared heritage, I think, revolves around a little bit George Washington crossing the Delaware, the resilience, the toughness. Maybe the details are uh, kind of we remember them a bit from school, but George Washington was a good guy, right? And he fought the British against impossible odds. Now, where is George Washington? Hmm? Literally in the gutter, right? Right? We are losing our country. We're losing it. And you know who's noticing? Our enemies. When everything America is bad, even according to Americans, how vulnerable are we right now to these guys? Say what you will about the Chinese, and I do not like their system at all. They seem to be rather unified, also brutal and corrupt and all kinds of things, but there's all kinds of unity over there. Right, Joe Biden? Stay with us. Joe Biden, his documented lies are catching up to him once again. He told a doozy today. We'll be right back. The former president of the United States. And, you know, I wouldn't say Fox has been exactly perfect. Fox has been a big difference of Fox between now and what it was four years ago, as you know. But we have others that come along and they're doing well. And uh, uh, Newsmax has been really good. And, you know, others are coming along. And people are seeing that they're watching these conservative networks. President Trump is right. That's why millions of Americans are tuning into Newsmax for the real news they can trust. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? And the fake news are always giving Joe Biden a great big fat pass whenever he gets caught in a great big fat lie or a little lie or a fib or an exaggeration like this one today. And anyway, and if we I don't do drive an 18 wheeler, man. Yeah. Oh, I was. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> I got <awesome>. to. <laughs> All right. Yesterday, actually, Joe was an, was a truck driver. Did you hear that? Joe used to drive an 18-wheeler. Made it sound like he drove from Scranton to uh, Miami, Florida, four times a month. No, he drove once in 1973 as a U.S. senator. It was a VIP deal. He wrote about it, or somebody in his office wrote about it. It sounded like he was ex exploring some exotic uh, place. He had never been a truck stop and talking to truckers, but he had to wrap up the trip and get back to Washington. As the article relates, the senator returned to D.C. by plane yesterday afternoon, saying he intended to go before the Senate this week with the complaints he heard. All right, he talked to some truckers in 1973, and that makes him a truck driver, huh? Politicians do that. It's one of the reasons why I really like President Trump. You know what? He didn't pretend he was a truck driver, even when they all came to the South Lawn. But what he showed was an appreciation and a respect for truck drivers and even a lot of enthusiasm about what it might be like to drive a truck, but he didn't pass himself off as a truck driver. But Joe Biden, his exaggerations, his fibs and outright lies are legendary, but they're actually fading from memory because the media, they're protecting him. We're not. 
I'd like to show you a clip of uh, some doozies that he said at a campaign event back in 1987. Virtually everything you're about to hear him say as he convinces somebody to vote for him is a lie. What law school did you attend and where did you place in that class? And the other question oh, is, could you quickly, I, I think we I, I think I probably Reagan. have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. <laughs> I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only need 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. All of it. All of it is not true. And back then, this was 87, 88, the mainstream media, they were not reluctant to call out Democrats, and they did big time. I'll concede he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. When you lie that big uh, on that stage, when you're in your mid to late 40s, you don't get over it. I mean, your character is formed. And... Uh, when you lie about big things, you lie about small things, and always in a political sense, always in a way to try to get people to like him and exaggerating along the way. Uh, take a look at this. Our next questioner is uh, Leah Connolly, a Democrat from Philadelphia. She's a program coordinator and museum educator. Leah? Philly girl. I married a Philly girl. Ooh, Philly girls are the best. <laughs> married a Philly girl. Philly girl. Oh, I can connect with you. Philly girl. Well, Jill did not grow up in Philadelphia. She grew up way outside, almost 30 miles outside of Philadelphia in Willow Grove. That's not Philly. It's like me saying I'm a Brooklyn boy. And that applies, by the way, to his, um, his first wife, who grew up in upstate New York. So strange, right? And then I think this is borderline stolen valor. Joe Biden saying that he was shot at in Iraq when he wasn't. You have great personal courage. I've been with some of you when we've been shot at. I've been with some of you when we've been shot at. She's talking about Iraq. It's a bunch of diplomats. Joe has been caught many times. He actually, there's a book that came out even before this talking about how he had once said he had been shot at in Iraq. He has done this so many times, but he always has to revise it. He always has to revise it. His revision, his new statement is, I was near where a shot landed. All right, that's a big difference from being shot at. You know that, I know that, Joe should know that. But let's face it, if you're on the far left, if you're a Barack Obama, if you wanna get things done and you don't want to attract too much attention to yourself, Joe Biden just might be your guy. Now this. Black lives matter. They do matter. Not just when the Black Lives Matter movement says they only care 
when a black life is taken by a white cop. No, black lives matter, including the life of 25-year-old Marquis Moore, shot and killed Tuesday in Selma, Alabama, while on duty. He went back to his apartment to eat around 4 in the morning while on a break, and he was ambushed inside his own home. A woman believed to be his girlfriend was also wounded. 18-year-old Javante Stubbs, a local high school football star, was arrested yesterday and charged with murder. Right now, detectives have no motive in the shooting. They're not yet sure if the men even knew each other. Moore was a member of the Selma, Alabama Police Department, considered a rising star, just 25 years old, and killed by a teenager. We'll be right back. Still can't believe it that they could have a January 6th committee hearing and not talk about Ashley Babbitt. How is that? How is that conceivable? How is that defendable? How could they do that? Well, if Democrats want to drop the issue and certain Republicans want to drop the issue, we will not. And let's review, because I keep hearing this incident totally misrepresented. Watch. All right. Now, so many times I've heard, well, they talked to her. They were issuing her warnings. They were saying, go back. She should have. She was breaking the law. She should have gone back, obeyed, complied. Did you hear any warnings? Did you hear halt, freeze, stop, go back? Now, I know the images can be distracting, so we're going to get rid of those and just focus on the audio. What words do you hear? I hear a lot of pandemonium, and I certainly don't hear anything from that officer. Do you? Why couldn't they talk about this at the January 6th hearing? So many people out there, though, their minds are made up about Ashley Babbitt, and it's ugly in this environment that we think a shooting like this is justified, that so many people do. Take a look. I see it on my social media all the time. Ashley Babbitt was killed while committing an act of terrorism against the United States and got what she had coming to her. Boom. Conversation over. Yikes. She got what she deserved. I'll talk about her. It's a shame she was the only one who went out like that. Glad she got smoked. Now, she was unarmed. No one debates that. She was jumping through a window, potentially, on federal property. Is that a death sentence? We've seen controversial police shootings for a year. They've been highlighted longer than that, but particularly over the last year. Dante Wright actively resisted arrest and ran away from cops. Now, he should not have been shot, but he was. That was totally bizarre. She mistook her, um, she thought her gun was a stun gun. Anyway, the officer shot Dante Wright. Number one, that should not have happened. He should not have been shot. 
He also should not have been resisting arrest and running away. But he definitely should not have been shot. And um, I acknowledge that. I just can't believe so many people have their mind made up about Ashley Babbitt after this national conversation about when to use police force and when not to use police force. Something else at the January 6th, there's so many issues they need to tackle. We've already heard the story of those officers, but who is this gentleman in the MAGA hat and who are the cops that he's talking to? Why are you letting this happen? Why haven't you called for backup? Where is your backup? This is our damn Capitol building and y'all are letting it get destroyed on your watch. And they're just standing there. They're just standing there. Why? What were they thinking? What were they doing? By the way, why isn't there uh, equipment marked police? So many problems at Capitol Police Department. Who was that guy? Why was there no action? Why are they just standing? These are the questions that we need answered. In addition to, why are so many people still in custody who have not been convicted of a crime? January 6th, uh, protesters slash rioters still in custody. Um yet not convicted, like James McGrew. He's 39 years from Glendale, Arizona. He's accused of approaching officers yelling, we're coming in here whether you like it or not. Fight with us, not against us. All right, now he may be in big trouble, but this is taking too long. You know there are Black Lives Matter protesters who are bailed out by political leaders. And Liberal prosecutors dropped charges against hundreds, if not thousands, of Black Lives Matters rioters. There's also Sean McHugh. He's 34 years old from Auburn, California, accused of assaulting police officers with a metal sign and bear spray. All right, he may be in big trouble, but let's get on with it, shall we? Why the lack of transparency? And today, members of Congress tried to visit some of these individuals in federal custody and were turned away. Um, we're, we're, not, we're not trespassing. As members of Congress, we have oversight over federal prisons. The people that vote on whether or not to fund you at what level, and we're trespassing. My gosh, the government is upside down. Can you please go ask your supervisor? You right now are obstructing entrance into this facility. This is the way people enter. You talk about the deep state, members of Congress can't get into a federal facility. That prison warden, whatever she is, is turning them away. They are trespassing. Well, I think they're gathering facts. And one of them, one of those members of Congress, I know you recognize her, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia, will join us next. So there's Congressman Matt Gates trying to visit some of the January 6th protesters who are still in federal custody and not being let inside. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene is with him. They won't let her inside either. As you know, lots of people are still in custody. They haven't been convicted of anything. Now, a little later, uh, they do get inside, but they're basically turned away. Take a look. 
The people that vote on whether or not to fund you at what level, and we're trespassing. My gosh, the government is upside down. So, uh, as you can see, they're not being welcomed. Uh, they are accused of trespassing. These are members of Congress at a federal facility. They're normally treated like VIPs. Let's bring in Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, once again, Republican of Georgia. Welcome back. How are you? Good to see you. Hi, Greg. It's good to see you, too. So, uh, look, did you call ahead? Did you make arrangements? I mean, you are a VIP and you do have oversight over these facilities, but did you make arrangements ahead of time? We did. We had let them know we were coming. Actually, we've been sending letters and asking questions for months now, um, trying to find out information about January 6th. We've been asking all kinds of questions, like why the National Guard was not uh, deployed to the Capitol on January 6th. We, we know for a fact that Nancy Pelosi did not deploy the National Guard, and we're trying to find out why. Today, we've, we went to the uh, prison here in Washington, D.C. to ask questions about the people being detained there because we've heard horror stories about how they're being treated. Um, while we were there, it was actually reverse order. We had gone into the lobby at first, uh, that clip that you're showing right there, and that woman, she told me that we were trespassing. And we asked questions, Louis Gohmert, Paul Gosar, Matt Gates, and myself, and then then we were told the supervisor was outside, uh, and they pointed to that lady because she had walked outside. I went outside to speak with her, and when I went up to talk with her, Louis Gohmert came with me, and they closed the doors and locked the doors and would not let us in. Now, you have to understand for your audience listening, members of Congress have oversight over these types of institutions. We go in and tour detention facilities at the border. We go in and tour all kinds of facilities, and we have never been treated like this before. I also want to say I'm very concerned about the entire population in that prison. Um, just the lobby was dirty. Uh, there were people there. Um, one person that worked there when we were outside called us white supremacists. And I'm, I'm just very concerned. I'm, I have a lot more questions now than I had before. It wasn't a federal employee who said that about the white supremacists, right? Or was it? The person was uh, going into the jail, um, and I wasn't able to right. see her uniform, but so I can't say for sure, but that's, that was a comment that was made. You know, when I see you and your colleagues and that official at the prison, you know what I see? I see a standoff between the people and the deep state. That person is not elected. They're breaking out a rule book. You know, they have these massive rule books. Every excuse in the book, literally, to not talk to you, to say you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. I saw that as the people versus the deep state. I mean, that encapsulates for me so much. Um, do you sense any... Go ahead. It was very concerning. And I tell you, we just had simple questions like, do they have access to their attorneys? Um, what type of food are they given? Are they allowed to go outside? We just had basic questions. Uh, we weren't there to, to interfere in any case. We are not attorneys. We are members of Congress. We were just assessing the situation in the jail and trying to find out about bad stories we'd heard about. But I, I am very concerned now.
So, uh, by the way, January 6th committee hearing. Briefly, if you don't mind sharing your thoughts, I don't see how they can have in good conscience or any in any world where it makes sense to talk about January 6th officially in an official capacity and not talk about Ashley Babbitt. Yes, um, I, I hope that they ask many questions about her and, and others that were there that day. And I have, but I don't have confidence that they will. And this is why uh, this group that I've, that we went to the jail today, this is why we've taken it upon ourselves to ask questions. We also went to the Department of Justice on Tuesday where we were not even allowed in the lobby. They made us stand out on the sidewalk. We had notified them in advance that we were coming just like we did for the jail. And they would not even let us in the lobby uh, to get safety, you know, get into safety off the streets. There were many, um, activists coming. And, and, you know, it was just a few years ago that Republican members of Congress were shot on the baseball field mm. by a communist Bernie Sanders supporter. You know, they may not like you. They may not be of the same party, these uh, permanent uh, deep state employees, but you are elected and they aren't. And this is outrageous what's happening. Hey, I've got to get uh, your take on this ridiculous mask situation on Capitol Hill. I understand the Senate is a mask-free zone, but the House masks are mandatory. And you bravely and rather dramatically with some of your Republican colleagues marched over to the Senate. And uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, I hope you don't mind, but we set it to some music. I think you might like it. I know I do. Take a look. I thought this was remarkable what you did, how you did it, and uh, I give you a lot of credit, but you were there. What was happening? What was on your mind? Well, <laughs> thank you. I love the video. The music is great. I wish I'd been playing there in the halls. Um, you know, I've been fighting these mask mandates for a long time. I actually had been fined before by, and, uh, by the House Ethics Committee, where four out of five Democrats in, on the House Ethics Committee who had signed a resolution to expel me from Congress refused to recuse themselves, and they voted that I should be fined. Uh, so this has been an ongoing thing for me. I don't wear masks on the House floor. I refuse to. And that's why Thomas Massey and Ralph Norman and I are suing Nancy Pelosi. If anyone's interested in that, go to speakermaskhole.com and you can find out more. But we're suing Nancy Pelosi because she is abusing power as her position um, as Speaker of the House. And, you know, the Senate doesn't have to wear masks, but yet the House has to wear masks. And today, uh, Nancy Pelosi told the Capitol Police to arrest staff and visitors in the Capitol um, coming in uh, and into our offices even if they are not wearing a mask. And this is outrageous. I've called for the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. I've called to vacate the chair. Um, so I'm doing everything I can to work against this woman. And I was excited that my colleagues and I made a trip over to the Senate past the magical um, barrier, you know, that that stops COVID. It's invisible. You can't see it, Greg. But when you walk through the rotunda to the Senate side, you can't catch COVID. But when you come back to the House side through the, into the black hole, I call it a black hole because it is like going into an abyss where Nancy Pelosi reigns. 
uh, apparently COVID is rampant. Oh uh, yes, to wear a mask. the DMZ zone, the uh, demask zone. Uh, here's uh, Congressman Loudermilk. I think he's the one on the right. I'm not sure who he's walking with, but they're coming from the Senate side, going to the House side, and there they are, right there in the rotunda, and boom. That's where you can get COVID, not on the other side. Listen, I don't think he, I don't think she could, uh, she can. I don't think she has the authority to make cops do that. I don't think cops have the authority to arrest anybody. Uh, uh, no. For, yeah. No, and that's uh, Barry Loudermilk. Uh, he's, his district is next to mine in Georgia. So great colleague of mine in Georgia. Uh, that's a great video. I absolutely love it. But no, this is actually abuse of the Capitol Police. Nancy Pelosi abuses the Capitol Police. She did not protect them. Uh, she didn't bring the National Guard in on January 6th, and the Capitol Police were left out there to, uh, to defend the Capitol um, in some very violent situations. And then also, here she is making the Capitol Police arrest people for not wearing a piece of paper on their face uh, or like a jock strap or something. It's, it's insane. Marjorie. Um, but it, <laughs> uh, no, it is. I'm so sorry. We have to go. We're out of time. But uh, keep up the fight. Please stay safe. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia. Thank you again. Thank you, Greg. All right. We'll be right back. can do more. You can watch Newsmax TV, America's fastest growing news channel. Newsmax TV, real news for real people every minute, every day. All right, everybody knows that Hunter Biden is no artist. This all seems to be a big scam. Fortunately, some people in Congress are doing something about it. Take a look at this proposed legislation. It's called the Painter Act. Uh, the Painter Act will put transparency first in the White House and shed light on the actions of the adult children of the president or vice president that can be used to influence their parents' position of power. It goes on to say American citizens have a right to know who is attempting to purchase access to the White House through an artist, Hunter Biden, with no established credentials to warrant such enormous profits. They're talking about $500,000 per painting. We are joined now by John Solomon, award-winning investigative journalist and founder of Just the News, and also Dick Morris, world-famous presidential consultant, historian, and host of Dick Morris Democracy. you got to go there and register. Some great stuff there. Dick, I love this story. Is it registering with the American people? Have they noticed? Are they upset about this? And does this have any legs? Well, uh, God knows anything that Hunter Biden does has legs because he keeps on doing it. <laughs> he keeps on offending. Uh, I think that uh, it's taken a while, though, for this to penetrate with people. And, uh, but I think that it will penetrate. I don't think it has yet. Uh, and it's incredible. It's unbelievable that given this guy's background, given what he did uh, already in terms of China, that, and given all the, the flap about him, that he's going ahead and doing this. It's absolutely insane. Why didn't he just put out a, a big empty canvas sack and say, toss the money into it? And those of us who are highlighting it, I mean, we're kind of minimized, ridiculed, oh, the conservative media dwelling on this. Um, John, I mean, they, they, they treat this as a playful kind of, oh, isn't that a cutesy type story in the mainstream media, if at all? Yeah, and it's not. Listen, for most of the last 50 years, we've been on our vigilance as journalists looking for these sort of backdoor ways that special interests can influence a president. I remember a national security advisor and Ronald Reagan getting in trouble for taking a watch from a foreign uh, uh, country. Uh, these days, it seems as though Hunter Biden can take anything from anyone, whether he's qualified or not, 
and no one can ask a question without being ridiculed about it. Right now, I'm fighting a lawsuit to get some memos where the State Department talked about Hunter Biden's conflicts and what, how they undercut U.S.-Ukrainian policy, and the State Department won't release them. They're protecting Hunter Biden every step of his failed business journey. Now, one Democrat who's facing some heat, not from the media, but from Black Lives Matter, is Sheldon Whitehouse, senator from Rhode Island. In my opinion, a particularly nasty guy. I remember from the Kavanaugh hearings. He's a member of an all-white beach club in Rhode Island, and Black Lives Matter has committed to uh, ruining his life if he doesn't get out of that club. Um, I find this interesting in that Sheldon Whitehouse is, well, no one's coming to his defense, which I guess is good. This should be for a Republican, a cut and dried issue. You'd have to leave the club. Dick, what do you think? Yeah, well, of course you do. But uh, Black Lives Matter, The I don't know if you all have covered this yet, but the there's a group, a Black Lives Matter group in Dallas that have circulated a pledge uh, to uh, white, high-income people yeah. who have to sign the pledge to say that they will not send their children to an Ivy League school or an elite school and uh, because it it's, it's violates equity. This is absolutely insane what's going on. And, John, so many in the mainstream media, they seem very cowed and intimidated when it comes to race the only position to have on race is the most left, the most woke position. Otherwise, you remain silent if you're in the mainstream media. Yeah, listen, it's a real problem. We stopped being neutral about five or 10 years ago. We've picked sides, and in doing so, we're misinforming the American people. There are entire sides of the race story that are completely suffocated right now because most mainstream reporters are afraid to ask the question or publish the answers that they get. And uh, it's not good for America, but it is part of a larger pattern of uh, malaise and, quite frankly, uh, a bad conduct by, by the journalism profession. And the country is suffering because of it. Dick, we're heading into August. It's traditionally a quiet month. What should we be looking for? What are we going to be talking about that we're not talking about right now? Well, I think the key thing that's going on is this, uh, the infrastructure package and Congress is watching inflation being made. I mean, it's literally watching prices be forced up uh, with this amount of spending that's going on. And uh, I think it's happening in plain sight. In terms of Hunter Biden, wait until we understand who's bought this art and the connections with China or with other entities that are seeking to bribe the Biden administration. Dick Morris, go to dickmorris.com. Again, register, great stuff there. And John Solomon, please check out Just the News. Fantastic journalism and reporting there. Thank you both, gentlemen, to be continued, and I'll be right back. Incredibly unironically, while I'm making that video, the guy who owns that car, which who is just a self-absorbed person, was Adam Kinzinger, who literally walked out and was just a total jerk about the fact that he was blocking the handicap entrance. Well, Adam, I've got news for you in the morning. Madison Cawthorn, one of our favorites, Republican in North Carolina, uh, happens to be in a wheelchair for a while, had an accident uh, a few years back. Welcome back, Congressman. How are you, first of all? Brother, everything's going well. Glad to be on with you, as always. 
Kinzinger parked in a spot intended for you. What happened? Well, it's not even the fact that it was a handicapped spot. I mean, it was even worse. So, you know, as uh, most sidewalks are, there's a quick little sidewalk cut where people can roll up and get uh, have access to the actual uh, sidewalk. But he decided to park his car right there and block that. That's what he thought uh, where he should be. And then, you know, I think that if anybody was to realize that that happened, I'm sure he was in a hurry, whatever. But he came out to the car, and then I said, hey, man, what, what's the deal with this? Like, why, why would you do that? Why would you be so inconsiderate? And then he was a, just a total jerk about it. And I think that really speaks to the character of this guy. Uh, you see the fact that, you know, he totes himself as some kind of freedom-loving Republican, but then you see every single one of his actions are the exact opposite, where he is actually just a, a Nancy Pelosi pawn. Now, when you say total jerk... Uh... Give us some details. Just kind of blew the whole thing off. Didn't say sorry whatsoever. Didn't really do, say anything about it. Just kind of looked at me and said, well, whatever, man. Then got in the car and just as as you would normally expect some guy to act that uh, who is currently trying to undermine our democracy. <laughs> well, maybe he was emotionally expended because he had such a, a busy day of acting yesterday. I want to play this for everybody as he was at that January 6th uh, hearing and laying it on a little bit thick. You know, you talk about the impact of that day. But you guys won. You guys held. You know, democracies are not defined by our bad days. We're defined by how we come back from bad days. How we take accountability for that. It it makes no sense how he was behaving. And I know he's heard all this stuff before. What'd you make of that? Well, what I made of it, I wish you had actually played about five seconds before that clip, uh, just about five seconds to give us some more context, because he's literally smirking and laughing right before that, then goes straight to tears. Uh, but you know what? I, I believe, really, when I see what's going on on this panel, I, and I see the fact that these people are saying they're allowing Nancy Pelosi to choose their committee assignments. It infuriates me. You know what? I, I, I'm someone who is up here as a Republican. I ran as a Republican. Uh, and I take my committee assignments from the Republican Party. I take my committee assignments from all of us who decide where we go on committees. But this person decided, hey, I'm actually going to leave uh, what the Republicans normally want. I'm going to do whatever Nancy Pelosi wants. And so so that's why I'm actually calling that he no longer caucuses with us. I don't believe he should be allowed to come to our conference meetings. I don't believe he should be allowed to listen into our strategies to try and safeguard our republic. I love how he said, you know, democracies are defined by how they come back from bad days. We're not a democracy. We're a democratic republic. Get it right. Hey, by the way, I think you and I only have a few seconds left. Sorry, but you endorsed his opponent, his uh, the, the woman who's primarying him, correct? Oh, I did. Absolutely. Very proudly. You know what? When someone wants to act this way, when someone wants to turn their back on the will of the American people, I started, I looked into his district. And in Illinois, I actually have a very dear friend who is this incredible America first patriot, someone who worked in the Trump administration named Catalina Lauf. And I am incredibly proud to be endorsing her. I will be going to help her in her race and I will be defeating Adam Kinzinger or scaring him so much that he decides not to run. All right. Madison Cawthorn, Congressman, Republican of North Carolina, tearing things up in D.C., just like you said you would. We're proud of you. To be continued, sir. All right. Great guy, huh? Thanks so much for watching. Stand by for Stinchfield. I will see you after a long weekend. I'm taking tomorrow off. All the best.